Welcome to New Jump City, everybody, where we recap the week in American and Japanese sequential art. I am your host, Christian Espinal, and joining me through Discord, it is the man, the myth, the legend. It is Joshua Gangsta Time. Go. But it should be called Gangsta Time. What up, Chris? Hello, friend. What Happy up, New Brian? Year. Wow. We made it. 2021. Uh, also, also joining us through Discord is my brother, our producer. It is Edgelord Big News, Brian. What's up, nerds? Yeah. All right. New Year's, same old show. I'm very happy to be here. Um, it's been, uh, it's, it's going to be a fun week. We got a ton of really uh, cool ass manga to talk about. We got a bunch of American comics to do. So let's not waste any time. Uh, let's get into plugs really quick. You could find me at the Chris Espinal on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Joshua Cole, where can they find you? That's at JD Cole underscore 37. And that's on Instagram as well. Hell yeah. Brian. You can find me at b.esp on both Instagram and Twitter. And whenever I decide to stream in this decade, uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash it's punchline. All right. And you can find the show itself at New Jump City on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow us on Twitter, especially because every week we do a really good cha- uh, really good chapter of the week audience poll. So you guys can vote for your favorites and we'll read them on the show. For example, I have the results for this week's uh jump magazine results so like you know you guys can vote for the next one uh they go up usually every sunday uh, around noon and uh you could also vote for other cool shit like the uh, manga that's going to take up chainsaw man's place in our weekly lineup uh that is decided and we're also going to announce today um <gasps> yay <laughs> it, no uh, way yeah uh, if you have any questions, suggestions, anything you guys want to talk to us about, recommendations for things to talk about on the podcast, please email us at newjumpcitypod at gmail.com or comment on the video below. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere, basically. Uh, so find us wow. on all those things. Leave us a review. Let people know. Share the pod. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, please, please hit that like hit that subscribe uh share the videos uh it's uh, it's a lot of fun doing this show we want to build a little bit of a community that's the goal this year to truly become a city of nerds that really like this <laughs> shit <laughs> to gather a city of nerds uh, but uh i think that's it for i'm now. not sure how well that one would smell but <laughs> i mean i I think that was very well said. We'll just have to, I guess we'll have to really double down on a sanitation department, but you know what? (laughs) We'll have a city. (laughs) And I will be your mayor. (laughs) Uh, But in any case, that's it for now. Uh, Let's get on with the show. Uh, Before we do the randomizer, uh, over the last two weeks, we have held a poll to decide uh, what will be taking over Chainsaw Man's position in the weekly lineup? Uh, we did two rounds of this. Uh, I didn't do a third because one series won handily over the others. Uh, the choices were Mashal, uh, Undead Unluck, Kaiju, Kaiju Number Eight, and uh, and Sakamoto Days. Uh, and the winner of the Chainsaw Man replacement poll is. Undead Unluck! Oh my goodness! Oh my god! 
Wow. I don't have an applause sound. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. I, I thought Undead Unluck was the dark horse, you know? But apparently, people really like it. Um, it won a majority of the vote both times we ran this poll. So uh, I think uh, Mashal was close second. Uh, Kaiju number eight was like third. And Sakamoto Days, which was, I was like low-key, like, I hope that wins. But uh, it did not. Uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, who did you, did you hope that uh, anything else would win, Josh? What was your, like, favorite? Yes, Sakamoto Days. <laughs> really? Wow. I thought I would have figured that you would pick, you would want to pick Mashal. I like Mashal, but Sakamoto Days, I feel like was really funny yeah it would have been a nice addition to the lineup agreed um brian wanted kaiju number eight i think he's just left to the silence or dog but uh he's he wanted he desperately wanted kaiju number eight um we basically picked this based on what was available in the shonen jump app so you know those were the choices but thank you guys so much for voting uh next week jump will be off and we'll be doing a series recap for undead unluck as well as a recap of the previous chapter that came out this week. So uh, tune in next week, and we'll talk about uh, Undead Unluck then, and it'll be officially part of the podcast. Um, but in any case, that was the poll. Uh, follow us on Twitter for any more fun poll stuff that you want to be part of. And without further ado, let us randomize. I hope he turns his sword into some guns. Dr. Stone! Oh wow! Yeah, this is Doctor. Let off with that in a long time. I know. The randomizer was good. Was good to it this week. This is Doctor Stone, chapter one hundred and eighty. Sickening yet beautiful. Um, last we left off, the kids arrived at the Andes Mountains, and they were going to make their way into the Amazonian rainforest to try to evade the eyesight of uh, of Stanley and this uh, radar guy, who. Uh, who are uh, traveling by biplane. So, you know, now that they've made it inside of the forest, uh, they are no longer under their detection. They can't find them as easy. Um, everybody's just wondering, like, yo, isn't it dangerous to be just walking around in the forest with our weird uh, burlap sack shoes that we got? So Senku's like, absolutely, you could die. There's snakes and shit, and, you know, there's a bunch of parasites around, but no fear. Somehow, in the middle of all of this, I whipped up a fucking rubber boot. So, go Senku. Yeah, it makes sense. They made the rubber before with the tides recently. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it because, like, they've made... It's not like a... Compared to the fucking airlift they had to make, basically. This isn't, like, hyper-complicated. Um, so, yeah, they get to use it and... Uh, they Senku starts uh, talking about like, hey, do you guys know what the most strongest creature in this Amazonian jungle forest is? Um, Taiju's like, it's got to be Sokasa, but apparently not. Mm-hmm. He identifies the most dangerous animal in the jungle is army ants. Because um, he's, he's uh, again, is like, shit, they attack in giant swarms, reducing even beasts to nothing but bones. Did not know that about ants. <laughs> yep, I learned. Yep, I was educated about that. Yeah. When I, uh, when I read this. Yeah, don't fuck with ants, dude. Uh, so Senku basically makes uh that uh bug spray. He basically creates bug spray, so they splash it on themselves. 
And, you know, they continue to ride down the Amazonian River. They, they make headway decently into the forest. Um, and as they get closer, Senku is like, you know, get, get excited because as soon enough we'll get to inspect the crime scene of, of the big blast that turned everybody into stone. And um, yeah. sure enough, after a little bit more uh, exploring, they arrive, big two-page spread of this pyramid, I think, uh, where I don't know, I don't know what we're supposed to get. It doesn't. It looks like a very sparkly pyramid, um, surrounded by stones, and there's a lot of petrification devices just splayed out on the ground. Um, so what I think it is the case is that there's not. They're not covering a building. Mm-hmm. It's just that many of them. Yeah, piled up. Yeah, it's that's a pyramid. What it, that's what I believe it is. It's literally like just a heaping. Yeah. Yeah, petrification well, it pyramid. Looks like a pyramid. Yeah. Um, that many. Yeah, I mean, damn. These are all small too. Like these devices, they're like keychain size. So yeah. they're just to have this many of them to make like a building, like a pyramid that's several stories high. It seems. Jeez, Louise. How many? They're they literally make? all over the ground too, by like where they're at. Like yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah, next chapter is going to be a big one, um, I guess. This is more like kind of like the transitionary chapter to get us there. Uh, I imagine next week we're going to learn about the um, the big stones, uh, the, the petrification event that's caused it, who's behind it all. How did the Y-Man do it if he was responsible? Uh, it's going to be a great one next week. But uh, till then, that's all I really got to say about it. Um, you ready to move on, Josh? Or do you have one more thing to say? want to see the Y-Man. <laughs> They'll get to him. Um, but uh, in any case, it is time to randomize. Dark Knight's Death Metal. Uh, yeah, this is it. Um, this is the final issue. Dark Knight's Death Metal number seven. Um and last we left off, we had a couple of tie-in issues to talk about um, when it came to death metal. Um, but we kind of pick up where the last one left off in terms of just everybody fighting this dark multiverse army and Wonder Woman in her new uh, truth form, I guess, facing off against the Batman <laughs> and the Laps. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would call it that. Yeah. Uh, this two-page spread that opens... Oh, it's not a two-page spread, but, like, this big panel that opens up with everybody fighting a war while, like, there's a giant Wonder Woman and Batman who laughs just distant in the background is pretty cool. Um, very chaotic superhero comic-y type of thing. Um, at some point, like, the Batman who laughs punches Wonder Woman so hard that she goes all the way back in time 160 million years ago. Um <laughs> Uh, hmm. Oh, it was a super satisfying moment, I'm sure, for Christian. For me? Why was that? Oh, yeah. No, I like the Wonder Woman truthful. Wait, what are you talking about? Oh, no, I said a satisfying uh, panel. So right after we see her truthful get knocked into the fucking prehistoric age, um... We see the Flash fighting against, I guess, an evil version of Bobby where he's oh. on the edge. <laughs> a literal exact version. You know of what? I was actually confused Dr. by Manhattan's that. Manhattan's power. I was actually literally confused by that. I thought they were good guys. I thought he was a good guy now. Is this just like another Metron Yeah, Bobby? it has to be. Yeah, he's just like, 
Yeah, thanks. I wrote a note about that. He literally says, you're not Wally. You're just a bad idea. I was like, oh. Dog, I mean, between this issue and the last issue, they are throwing Tom King under the bus. (laughs) They are are distancing themselves from him. Oh, my God. Yo, you know, oh, my God. If they run into each other in the office, you know it's (laughs) There's just no way. That's yeah. They're just going to criticize each other's writing. <laughs> They're not they really going to throw him. That's wild. I didn't even. You don't think it's time to Marvel, man. Yeah, man. It's wild. I, I didn't even. I know I, I had that as a note, but for whatever reason, the Metron Wally is a bad guy now, but it, it's not the real Wally. It's kind of confusing. I didn't. I don't know why DC's taking shots. It's just shots. the evil version, you know. <laughs> I'm the sh- version that did this and was evil, you know? Whatever. No, that guy had like just a Beretta and was just running around and shooting people and being like, ah, Oh, that's ah. a different one. That's the one that killed his people. Just the Wally that probably killed his people, redeemed himself, sat in the chair and was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to stay this way. You know what? I don't I, I don't like the world anyway. <laughs> I'll be Metron. Um, but yeah, that's happening. That We get a lot of like cutting between every uh, every major family of the DC Universe fighting their evil multiverse selves. Um, the Kal-El family is fighting against um, basically a Superman who is like the son. Uh, Bad family is fighting against the uh, no, ro- the sorry. Robin King. Um, Flash is, I guess, fighting Tom King himself. Um, so, yeah, the, the battle continues going until like Wonder Woman is now just in some weird alternate like this weird dimension. And then, you know, she's just like, where the fuck am I? And uh, Batman who left says like, I, you're at the beginning of it all. And guess who comes down, but the hand that made the multiverse. <laughs> yeah. You know, the one that, that that's always featured in, in from that old comic. Yeah. The scientist was looking back and he was like, it's too far. You can't go this deep. And it was like, yeah. I swear to all that. You know. I guess the beyonders of this of the DC universe is these hand yes. folks. Essentially, way less mean, way yeah. less, way less, way, way more caring. Yeah, and the Batman who laughs is like, "This is the hand. Her species are the ones who made it, uh, and they're coming here to destroy us all unless I kill them first. And Wonder Woman brings <laughs> up a good point: is like the reason they're coming to kill us is because people like you keep wiling out and trying to use their energy. And Batman who laughs is like. Batman who laughs is like, yo, he's, I don't even really know what he wants anymore. He just wants to restart the universe in his image, I guess. But, you know, he's, why? You know, like, why do you want this? It's very weird. Uh, So, yeah, we get more, like, fighting between, you know, everybody. Um, Everybody seems to be losing. Uh, First of all, Batman, uh, Superman, ha- like, our Kal-El takes the sun Superman into the fucking space. Uh, Batman who laughs is just surrounded by an army of Robin and uh, the Robin King and his groblins. Um, it's not looking good for everybody. And he's like, join me and we can kill the hands together and save everyone. And Wonder Woman is like, no. And she just kicks the hand at Batman who laughs. Uh, he gets basically smacked. Not just smacked. He gets like pimp slapped. Ah. 
by a giant Hong ham. Kong. Yeah. Uh, how easy is this hand to manipulate? Just like a, a low kick by Wonder Woman is just like, oh, shit. You know, I guess if a dog, you know, dogs, like if, if you look at a small dog, it can knock your hand out if you just put your hand forward. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, they're just putting their hand in. He's like, hmm, ah. where's that? <laughs> Where's that darn universe? Ah! Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Oh, I guess I found it. <laughs> Touch something dirty and nasty. Ew, is this truth? <laughs> uh, meanwhile, we get to see the swamp. Th- there's an evil swamp thing fucking up the swamp thing. Um, and Harley and speaking Quinn. Speaking of hands. Oh, yeah, Batman speaking of hands. one of his. Yeah, uh, Robin King goes full bleach and cuts off one of Batman's hands. But it's okay, because he's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a zombie and he's fine. It should be okay for everyone in the Soul Society too, since they're already dead. But I'm yeah. not gonna open that can of worms. I mean, I'll say this: Batman shows more of a reaction. He's like, "Ow, <laughs> this sucks." Yeah, he doesn't look very cool with it happening or nothing like that. It's mm-hmm. just he's very. Like, I actually got my hand cut off. Yeah. Uh, the like the final son looks at Superman. He's like, "You're dying, Kal-El." And Superman's like, whatever, dude, I'm taking you with me. Uh, all right, Superman. <laughs> He's not playing games. Uh, and meanwhile, ba- uh, Wonder Woman manages to punch Batman who laughs back, and it sends him to the end of time, basically. Um, and it, it takes him to the fin- to this big sun thing, and it's the sun that kind of envelops worlds. That's where, like, destroyed... M- uh, Earths of the multiverse go when they get destroyed is this fucking sun. And uh, she just like tries to push him up against it. And this is actually hurting Batman who laughs finally. Um, which is, I guess, a good sense of scale. The only thing that can really kill him is this thing that kills all multiverses. Um, sure. Makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, the, I feel like Dr. Manhattan would have a hard time. Yeah, this is a tough thing. time. Um Okay. So yeah, she's basically like, "This is where you die." And uh, Batman, who laughs, is like, "Better hurry then, because they're here." And out of the corner of her eye, she sees the hands. Um, and she and Batman, who laughs, is like, "Yo, this is your last chance. They're here, and they'll co- they'll kill everyone. But if we work together, we can kill them, and then make the multiverse in both of our images. It doesn't have to end this way." Uh, we then cut back to Batman, who is like down he has no hand and uh robin king is like say for me once just once in that voice i'm batman (laughs) (laughs) say it for me and batman's like yo you know what i'll do you one better i'll pull a batman on you you thought that i kept the black lantern ring on my hand i planned for you to cut off my hand and it turns out uh batman has planted the uh black lantern ring in his in the center of his chest, he presses the button and the black, uh, the black lantern ring activates, uh, creating an army of the undead, uh, again, recreating the army of the undead Gotham folk and the groblins that they killed up to this point. So, yes, essentially saying, I, I knew you would go and slaughter my entire family and friends <laughs> and the rest of the DC hero and villain landscape because they're so epic and cool. Yeah. So because, I for that yeah. Because I am back. Yeah, I read your book and I saw how you easily, as at ten years old, killed the entire Justice League. So, I have the Black Lantern ring with me, and you know, last but not least, he resurrects a zombie Alfred with a shotgun. Um, and that's when I was like, "Yo, Robin King's in trouble now." 
Oh, yeah, you love a good <laughs> The 70-year-old zombie with a shotgun. Uh, very excited. Meanwhile, yeah, Superman is flying into space. He is, his, his, die, his cells are overwhelmed and are dying. Um, and the final son is like, look at you, Superman. You're going to die here, ugly, pathetic, and alone. And Lex is like, he's not alone. Uh, so he swats Superman away. He's like, go, get out of here. I'll take him on. Yeah, he basically is like, I'm. Not, there's no way this universe ends without getting, without me getting to kill at least one damn Superman. So he swats our Superman away, and uh, and he basically explains that the suit that he brought with him is made out of uh, is is uh, powered by a shrunken black hole named Sun DX6. And uh, Final Sun is like, haha, that would be ridiculous. Who would do that? It would kill you if you did that. And Lex, everything. <laughs> and Lex is like, yeah, now you're getting it. And then he presses the button, self-destructs his suit, and presumably kills himself and the, uh, and the, the Superman. A Superman! Let's go, Lex. Let's go. <laughs> Flex Luther. <laughs> Can we take those? Yeah. So, yeah, he's dead. Uh, so I guess th- he gets one of these, but not really. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, well, well, a lot of people, yeah. Well, well someone does get it. <laughs> We'd be so. doing that for a lot of people. Speaking of, I guess, the Mario death, uh, <laughs> Batman who laughs is like, ah, shit, I'm still in this sun. Uh, Wonder Woman is contemplating Oh, her I tr- love how, like, how she's just grinding his fucking head into yeah. this, you know, energy force. And then the, these DC Beyonders are just out there watching, like, you know how, like, in school... How to be a fight in the hallway, <laughs> and people just kind of like group up and just watch it go down. Like, oh, oh man, oh. one of them has a cell phone out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, wow, this is, this is pretty sick. Multiverse star, <laughs> it's pretty good. He's just—they yeah. are just standing there watching this happen. They're not doing anything, and uh, he's like, "Yo, yo, wait! I just want to see what happens." And uh, basically, she starts thinking about his offer as like time goes on, and you know, she's like. Shit, I really could fix everything if I just joined forces with him right now. Nah. And then she just shoves his face in even deeper, killing the Batman who laughs, and thus uh, allowing the hands to destroy the multiverse as we know it. I, I get it. She's just like, bro, I'm not sharing nothing with you. You're fucking pure evil. I'm not allowing you any type of vision I have, and it's not worth it. Yeah. With you being in charge of anything. Fair For, enough. Yeah, she just I get said. it. Split decision. She did what she had to do. Yeah. And uh, finally, he's dead. And I guess that's the end of the entire multiverse and the entire DC universe as a whole. No more DC. Just kidding. Uh, for a long time, there was nothing until slowly she became aware of herself. And uh, we cut over to this blank void as Diana seems to be coming back into consciousness. Uh, and she's apparently talking to one of the hand folks who is like, I'm here with you, Diana. Uh, and uh, one of them was like, "Please, this reality we do falter, but there is goodness. Please spare us." And she, and uh, the hand is like, "When we create a multiverse, we hope that you guys, you know, transcend uh your self selfishness and seek greater truths. Your multiverse, even after being restarted, has often failed to do so. We tried rebooting you guys over and over again. It doesn't ever really work. But you know, this time around." 
uh, I think it did. And we're going to take the form of something in your universe that we admire. And uh, this hand takes the form of like a really golden age version of Wonder Woman, which is very nice as Wonder Woman is staring what herself. Time period did, 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 did that come, come out then? Hmm? What, time, what time period was this golden age? Uh, early. Like, you know, whenever uh, I would say maybe like the. F- 30s i mean i don't know i i kind of get the ages mixed Ooh. up but this is like so it was a golden age for comics not not really yeah. for people huh yeah um yeah pretty much <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. i hope you know we have to remember yeah you know, she wasn't sweet for everybody <laughs> for sure um but uh in any case they explain there that they take her form because you know your time your kind fought for good and knowing that you know you could have killed us and restarted the universe the way you wanted to you didn't do it and we'd never seen that shit before uh we wouldn't have done it for you i'm telling you right now (laughs) we would have killed you guys um it would have been donezo but um yeah basically she she goes on to explain that from now on this is the dc omniverse we're creating everything is continuity everything ever that the dc universe has ever done counts uh, we've never done anything like this before, so you know the possibilities are great. Does that sound good to you? And Diana's like, "Yeah, you mean we, we're not dead anymore? Okay." The alternative being just this blank void. I'm down. Uh, the hand says, "Cool." So you know there will be a great cost to this, though. And one of them is like, "Whatever. If it's my life, take it." And uh, the hand is like, yo, chill. You're not going to die. Calm down. <laughs> uh, you're actually going to, we need you to ascend to a greater, uh, to a higher life form, it seems. And uh, to help them protect reality, this fresh new reality from a new threat. Uh, whatever the, th- what can be, what just happened, I don't know. But yeah, right. <laughs> there is a lurking fl- threat the out there. The frozen creature. Yeah, the shit that the hand is afraid of. They're like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, I, I don't want to deal with it. His name is Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, so yeah, one of them is like, yo, whatever you need, I'm here. And, you know, they, she takes their hand and they just disappear into the void. And uh, we get a little bit of a narration. This whole comic has had this big narration. We'll know where it's from later. But um, it basically explains that after the whole multiverse was restored, Everybody had a big old straw hat style party. Um, there was, you know, the Justice League were a band for the day. Uh, it was pretty cool. And uh, at some point, uh, Barry the Flash walks up to Wally and is like, yo, come with me for a sec. I got to show you something. And they go up to uh, into space, into this new headquarters. That's, I don't know if I'm wrong here, but it's shaped like the Black Lantern symbol. To me, it looks like the the, the justice symbol. No, yeah, it's the, the justice the, symbol. The justice yeah, I thought that too, but it also kind of looks like the Black Lantern symbol. But yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it. whatever. Uh, it's the new headquarters called the Totality, which is um, both the Legion of Doom and the Hall of Justice combined into a space station um, where not only the Justice League preside, but also Lex Luthor, Talia al Ghul, and Vandal Savage. So, you know, mm. they exist to kind of monitor the multiverse. Um, and uh, it ex- and they explain basically the structure of the omniverse now. 
essentially the mainstream DC comics that we know was always kind of the center of the multiverse. It is no longer the center. Uh, but there seems to be two centers now that aren't them. And one of them seems to be in Earth. Uh, the other they're not really sure of. But they do. They never seen anything like it and they don't have the tools to really examine it yet. So for now, they're calling it the Elseworld. Which, if you are a, a solid comic reader, the Elseworlds is an imprint of DC where they... Base, it's basically their what ifs, you know, like how Marvel does, mm-hmm. like exploring, re-exploring different ideas. What if Batman was a Green Lantern? All that stuff. That's what the Else World was. So this is going to be interesting. I I don't know if it's going to be exactly what the Else Worlds was, but it's interesting to see. Um, we then cut over to Earth Zero, and it's revealed that Sergeant Rock this entire time. This whole narration was an entry that Sergeant Rock made into the journal of Carter Hall. And, you know, he gives back the journal and they all go. He he joins the Justice Society of America in fighting World War Two. And that's where death metal ends. Um, wowie. <laughs> what? I, I, I had some weird thoughts about the story. Um, it's it's a weird uh it's a weird thing for me. I, I'll say this. I I feel like the objective of the story is different from what they may have intended, you know, like, cause this yeah. always, this always felt like it was supposed to be like the conclusion to all of Scott Snyder's work at DC, but it's, it eventually became like a, a conduit to ramp up to DC's continuity overhaul. And I don't know. It, it kind of falls flat for me because it all felt like eventually just turned into a big commercial for what the DC universe wants to be now. Um, like the Batman who laughs while he went out in a, like, I guess a physically cool way. There was no like real depth. I like, I didn't, I, I wasn't invested in him as a villain. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah did too much with him, honestly, man. Yeah. It's too much a, before this. It was. Not yeah. I, it's hard to recommend to, to like people who are new because death metal really, you have to have read all of Scott Snyder's stuff up till now, like that he did for DC for the most part, to really understand it. And they're good, but you know, I don't know if it's worth it. You know, I don't know. But um, that was Death Metal. It was all right. Um, you got one more thing to say to, about it before we go? No, I I feel pretty much the same as you, man. Yeah. I don't have many words for it, unfortunately. Yeah, um, we're going to do this as a two-for-one. Uh, the very next uh, book that we actually have on the docket is this one-shot, uh, Ge- Generation Shattered. Uh, this is a long one, uh, so I'll... Ke- yeah, it really was. I'll keep it a little, uh, for the most part, brief. The story centers around Kamandi, who is kind of like the staple, like, post-apocalyptic DC character. Um, he gets rescued by Booster Gold, an old man Booster who takes an arrow to the shoulder and then just dies. Uh, I'm like, all right. <laughs> to the heart, man. I, think. I thought that was like his, cause I guess it's drawn weird. Cause I see that it's going like to his, like Ooh, right a lot of things were drawn weird in this comic, man. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but yeah, assume, assuming that he got hit in the heart, whatever he, uh, then transfers, uh, skeets who is now a, an arm piece like warlock is. And, x-men transfers him to commandi and uh says go complete the mission and the mission is that someone is threatening all of time 
So Kamandi is now tasked to create a, uh, to put together a team to take on this new threat. And um, a lot of this issue is him going through time to gather this team. And some of them are a mistake. And I'm just like, why doesn't Skeets just tell him exactly who to get right now? Yeah, but, what is the fucking problem? <laughs> but a couple people are a mistake. And, uh, you know, he starts at the 31st century. He's supposed to get Brainiac 5 from the uh, Legion of Superheroes. He gets Superboy instead. And I'm not sure if this is Jonathan Kent or Clark. But they don't really make that distinction. I think it's Clark. From, yeah. Yeah, from, from back then. Yeah, that's why I figured. But anyway, they he grabs them. Uh, he gets Steel because they couldn't get uh, Brainiac 5. So he grabs Steel from like 1985 when uh, the Death of Superman story was going on. And there was no Clark Kent. Um, he goes to get Dr. Light from 1987. Uh, Hector Hammond shows up and he also understands the problem that's happening. Which I don't think I explained actually. They're supposed to be this big white flash that's taking over everything there's this chrono storm that looks a lot like the uh, crisis on infinite earth's anti-monitor thing so this whole time he's just been gathering people before their timelines are destroyed um but yeah he gets dr light he tries to get a superman from an undisclosed time i don't think they really explain what time period this superman's supposed to be from uh and superman stupidly just runs straight into the fucking chrono storm and gets himself killed uh, so Booster Gold from that time period is uh, is taken instead. Uh, he then I goes. Was, to, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, go for it. I'm Sorry. Not, nah, man. I just thought that was fucking ridiculous, man. He didn't. He didn't listen at all. He said, "I'm just gonna run straight into this shit." And yeah, I'm just gonna try to punch it. I guess because uh, I'm super mean. Um, he then goes to the 80s again. He A lot of the characters he gets are from the 80s. Uh, he grabs Starfire from the Teen Titans as they're fighting Deathstroke. Um, he gets uh, Sinestro from No Time Period Explained, but uh, while, Green, while Sinestro was still Green Lantern, uh, he picks him up. He gets Batman when he just started being Batman from like Detective Comics 10... Uh, from Detective Comics 27. I don't know why. Uh, and, you know, now that the team is entirely gathered, uh, Batman from Detective Comics is like, explain. And Kamandi's like, I don't fucking know. Skeets just said we should get people. There's a chrono storm out there wiping everything out. And then um, at some point they meet up uh, with the, uh, the linear men who are this time centric team i guess that are that have been like possessed and taken over by this uh time villain and you know they 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 just pull up an attack and the this time this new time team has to fight this old time team and it's drawn by pretty much eh, it's it's drawn by john romita jr i'm not the action parts are drawn by john romita jr and i'm like why um I don't understand. You have better artists to do art action for, but yeah. Some of these aren't bad. There's just certain panels that look terrible. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. Like a lot, I feel like a lot of it is decent. And then you'll see one and it's like, whoa. Like <laughs> there was one where someone looked really long and weird. Yeah. Like they looked like a pinky. 
um, but yeah, in any case, that's when uh, the Dominus guy breaks and he's like the main villain of whatever this one shot is. Uh, he's like, I control all I, the flap of every butterfly wing. I am God. And um, yeah, everybody's like, yo, why are you doing this? And I don't know if he explains it <laughs> as why he's doing it. No, he's just doing it just because. Yeah, because yeah, he's a dick. So he scatters the new time team across time and space. Starfire, Superboy, Booster Gold, Steel, Batman. They all end up in different time periods. And um, the reason for this being is that Dominus is like, they are scattered now and there's no way they can stop me. So, you know. Yeah, and uh, Dominus decides to, like, clock out for the day. He goes through a door, and then he takes <laughs> off his crazy supervillain uniform. He opens a door, and he's just this, like, Dick Van Dyke fucking <laughs> dad, essentially. And I'm supposed to be like, whoa, but, you know, I, I don't understand. <laughs> Good old days. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> uh, I thought it was all right. I wasn't like crazy about it, but I don't know. Maybe this will have some importance down the line. It looks like um, they're building something. It seems to have a lot to do with like the future state stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if I've, I'm particularly interested in to pick it up. If you want us to talk about future state, let us know, but just know that not thrilled about the prospect <laughs> uh, but in any case that was Generations I don't know it was fine I don't really have a lot of was, opinions okay. you guys are ready to rain in my hands oh yeah let's go uh, my hero academia Brian I think you're on mute <laughs> by the way um this is My Hero Academia, chapter two. Ah, Brian. Academia. Oh, welcome back, Brian. <laughs> this is My Hero Academia. My bad. I didn't realize I was muted. Did you? Were you talking this whole time? Did you talk at all? I wasn't talking this whole time, but I just realized I was muted. <laughs> oh, whatever. This is My Hero Academia, chapter 296, Hellish Hell. Um... In a the hellish end. hell that smells helly. <laughs> <laughs> a helly hell. A helly hell <laughs> that smells helly. That's <laughs> 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 pretty good. Um, but anyway, we get a little bit of a recap of what, you know, the uh, aftermath of the Paramount War, or not the Paramount War, the par- Paranormal Liberation, whatever war thing that just happened. I think it was like a raid, right? They call it the the paranormal liberation war. That's that's the title of this oh. arc, apparently. Um, but yeah, they explained that like the Nomu were were, you know, everybody joined forces to take on the high end Nomu. Uh, seven were able to escape. Uh, three were destroyed, but seven of the high end Nomu uh, high end Nomus, along with Shigaraki and his people, managed to flee. Um, Gigantomachia. Some of his people. Yeah. Giganto Machia, uh, Mr. Compress, and uh, uh, Dead. Uh, what's his name? Damn. The Redestro. Redestro. 
I don't know why. Redestro. Yeah, I like his name too. I don't know why I forgot it. But Redestro, um, Redestro, Getin, and Trumpet were all also uh, taken in, which is an interesting cast to bring in. Like we just got Cementos bodied this dude. Oh my! Wait, which dude? Fucking oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. He fucking he got him drowning in fucking cement. I mean, it looked like it took a lot out of cement toss. He's like impaled. Oh I, yeah, he looks like he's hurt. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, you're right. I didn't, I didn't even know. notice this the first time I read this. Yeah, honestly. me too. I didn't notice that either. <laughs> cement toss is on the ground. Whoa! Ow! Uh, I've been stabbed. By the way, we still haven't seen. What happened to to um, the killer whale guy? Gang Orca, you're right. All right. Yeah, we still haven't seen what happened to Gang Orca. Wait, so. well, we'll get to he it. He didn't so. pass away. Yeah. Who would well, have caught that super villain, the superhero that I was posing? First of all, I think like... <laughs> he Ed, was like Mr. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Ed Shot, Slidey guy. Ed Shot was the guy who beat um, Redestro, it seems, which is pretty cool. Um, And, you know, like a ton of... Uh, all, 16,929 people were arrested during the raid. Um, however, 132 of them, including high-ranking advisors, were able to escape. Um, their bases uh, their bases scattered around the country were hit too, and sympathizers, including Slip and Go, Slide and Go, whatever this guy's name is, he got Slide taken. Slide and Go, yeah. Yeah, he got Ooh. taken. Mr. Incredible over here is like, no. Mm. Um... He is out, and but you know the chaos is still raining. There's still so much fucking damage everywhere, um, and there are a bunch of like rescue heroes scrambling around. Uh, the first of which we see is Uraraka just coming in with the smooth slide, saving these children from dying. Um, good for her, and you know she's just like working. She's trying to do her thing. This is the kind of hero that Uraraka wanted to be. You know, is the rescue. Yeah. Hero. So, I was thinking about it. I'm like, not every hero, not every character has to be a fighter, you know? And that's kind of like what My Hero Academia has kind of been trying to reinforce in us. Like, sure, there's characters that are more inclined to be in a fist fight and shit, but there are heroes who prioritize saving lives over fighting. Yeah. And Uraka is one of them. For sure. Um, you know, she's trying to save everybody. And as she's like doing her damnedest, she sees this hero just kind of standing there like traumatized he's like yo this is too much and as he's like looking on in the chaos and uraka just stares at her at him kind of disheartened he says i need to find a new line of work yeesh um so yeah i think that's another effect that i didn't even consider from this war is that heroes might not want to even fucking do this anymore Uh, it doesn't sound so cool anymore when everyone's dying yeah, like it's easy when you have All Might around, right? But right. once he's gone, the whole world like people forget like before All Might, the world was a really fucked up place. <laughs> like or at least Japan was. I don't know about the entire world, but before All Might showed up, like he, villains were the shit. Like they were oh, they yeah, were kind of dominant. Yeah, that's true. There was like a hero industry, but like All Might changed everything. Yeah, he made heroes. He he gave heroes more power in in the situation. I mean, arguably, it's why like all for one couldn't really pass on. Oh, one for all couldn't pass on in an orderly manner, is because it was so chaotic that all for one, mem- uh, well, for all people used to just drop, and just pass on their powers last minute. You know, so it's kind of wild. Yeah, you're right. 
it's kind of reverting back to where it used to be. And the real gut punch of all of this is that we cut over to... Oh, my God. Uh, to uh, oh. Kirishima and fucking uh, As- Ooh, Ashido. Sensei. Ashido and Yaguruzu and, and Sugar Man looking on down and all you see is midnight's mask and, you know, oh man that one hurt this one hurt like my spine yeah i agree this was a painful one but not just her uh we get a little bit of a postmortem for a bunch of heroes that have Crust, passed off Mad, majestic yeah a no. lot of who's the eye guy xless not dinosaur head <laughs> Not who's dude. this guy with the ripped mouth too? Like I, I, he looks familiar. I feel like we've seen him before. Um, we saw, we did see him before. Uh, this is someone that uh that um Toga uh killed and took their body or something or like uh, changed into them. Oh yeah, is that Daft Punk? I know <laughs> Daft Punk. Did. What about the guy with the sponge on his forehead, like next to the dragon? That's not a sponge. Or it look. I just called it a sponge just because. That's like it, old samurai armor, for me. or something, like a headband, like a ninja headband. Yeah, like the dude from the Sound Village had with the blasters. On right, his right. Head. It's just on his head now. We've seen him before too, right? We haven't seen most yes. of these guys. Too, he looks right? familiar. Well, Bro, these are all. Come on. They're not big name characters, but they some of these guys look familiar. Like we've probably seen them before, but we never really got to know. Yeah. What kind of characters they were? Again, man, these are all very. No, they don't. Characters. I'm. I'm almost Not sure. Not as important as, as class one A, but they all played a role in a plot at some point through the series. I'm actually and sure I'm they did. Disappointed that you guys don't remember that. <laughs> no, I'm sure they show up in My Hero Academia Vigilantes, and they were super important the entire time. Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. They were secretly the most important characters of all time. Mm-hmm. They put in mad work, and this was this was big. This was huge for a lot of people who understand <laughs> the deep lore i feel like we're being of, mean um, about it <laughs> my hero academia yeah but in any case all these heroes are dead and then we cut over to some civilians talking about like yo shit's getting crazy what's gonna happen to endeavor that dobby thing sucks. yeah we like, gotta cancel this dude yeah yo endeavor's canceled dude and uh hashtag endeavors over party yeah, some people are considered like, yo, we should just move out of Japan, which is more than anybody has ever said about New York and the Marvel Universe. It's like, yo, we True shouldn't that. live here anymore. Uh, and uh, and we get a little shot of uh, Midoriya just like out. He is out for the count. So is Endeavor. Uh, they're already like, he's, he's like beat up on the ground. It's like, he better have a statement about this tomorrow. Um, which I think that goes back to what Shigaraki said about like heroes being just this kind of like public figurey celebrity thing where they're so dependent and kind of spoiled because heroes exist to always protect them that they're weirdly detached from reality where they're like even when he's bloody and beaten on the ground they expect him to explain himself the next day um it's like damn chill um but uh that we get to the final and craziest part and uh, I'm going to have to eat some crow here because uh, it turns out Brian called this. All right. All right. Be graceful. <laughs> have some grace. Prison break, baby. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me at the time. But apparently, uh, All for One is speaking through Shigaraki and is like, yo, it's my turn now. Uh, no, my dear, hear me, my tireless Nomu. It's time to free my real body. 
Yeesh. Yeah. I have another theory, and this one's my, well. I've heard this one before, actually. So never mind. Okay. But it's not my theory, but it is a theory that makes sense, right? So, our well, the theory that's come up about a prison break arc is centered around All Might and Stain. Oh mm. yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, All Might was already going to go there. That's called Tartarus, right? He's, he was going to go visit Tartarus because Stain requested to see him, right? And by this point, there's a chance that he's there, that, that All Might is there, or he's going to be Ooh, there yeah. when, when they get when they invade. Yeah, so but... that arc is basically going to be Stain trying to keep All Might alive throughout, that, throughout the prison break. Mm-hmm. Yo, that would be pretty cool. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm interested in seeing Stain again. It's been a while. Yeah, I'm... and there's actually another thing that Horikoshi mentioned that's very interesting. He mentioned that we would see Moonfish again. You guys remember Moonfish? Yeah, I remember. Moonfish. Oh, I'm here yeah. for it. That's <laughs> like there's a chance that this arc is going to be like a horror movie, like like horror movie shit, like All Might trying to fucking survive in a horror movie esque kind of arc, which would be really cool. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm here for it. I'm like not, most of this, most of my hero academia is so over exaggerated and like crazy battles and shit. But what if you're powerless in a situation against us, like a genuinely terrifying villain, like Moonfish or or one for all? Like well, that's some wild shit. For an entire country, and you had that flag on your back. I'm sure he'll figure it out. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. he'll definitely lean on Stain. Yeah, to do it. <laughs> yeah. All for one is going hard in the paint. Like I love his dialogue where he's like, "Yo, I'm not letting them rest, dog. Uh, I'm going in." <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna keep applying that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm excited. Actually, I have one more theory. All right, Brian. That I just thought of. I'm thinking like, what if like when this if this prison mark actually happens and it's all might uh, in stuck in this place, I'm thinking this would be like a point where you see that kind of All Might and Deku switch places. And, like, he starts to act more like Deku than he would as All Might, you know? In this situation, he'd be more analytical. Like, you you would be able to see, like, mm. like pieces of All Might that he saw in himself from Deku, you know? Mm-hmm. That's well, what you just saying. It's funny. So like, this would be... Yeah, this would probably be the arc that reinforces why he chose Deku over, like, Mirio or something like that, right? Probably. Um, but I think, like, All Might didn't pick him because he saw... Because All Might, I, from what I... From what everybody says about his early hero, hero days is that he was kind of, like, oh, using All for One and he was just so fucking overpowered that he didn't really even have to do that. So it's an interesting position where he'll have to use his wits... Mm to survive um but yeah i'm very i'm excited if that's the case i'm i'm down for it i love a prison break story so i'm here for it um moonfish and Stain. i, I had together. the thought that 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 there's this i, f- I feel like all for one is definitely trying to overtake shikaraki and that there's 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 more of a, a dynamic to be played out there yeah so i want to see if something happens when they actually reaches his body yeah I'm yeah all for once trying to Rochimaru his way in. 
it's fucked up yeah yeah man. chris brought up a good point like i don't know what he's gonna need his actual body for at least i guess he's just trying to keep um his body around for a bit until the full transition happens with shigaraki but yeah i guess my theory well my thing was like i didn't i i would understand why all for who wants to be in prison like all for one would want to leave but i'm like the the idea was that like shigaraki would be the one to do it but then I was thinking, like, why would Shiraki do that? Because he's trying to break away from All for One. So why would mm-hmm. what incentive would he have to break him out? But I guess if All for One is orchestrating this and he's the one who's who's calling Nomu to get him as opposed to just getting Shigaraki to do it, that makes more sense. Um, but I'm interested. I mean, I'd love to see it. <laughs> I mean, my hero, this whole arc, uh, I, I've enjoyed it more. I can't wait to like read it in full because I feel like that's the, probably the best way to absorb this arc. Uh, yeah, as it's coming at you fast and furious, like it was intended, as mm. as opposed to like this week to week kind of wait situation. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's next for my hero. Not a bad, not a bad start, or not a bad uh, post mortem for this arc. Um, you guys ready to move? Actually, I have one more question. Where is Shigaraki in this last panel? Like, is is he on his way to Tartarus right now? Shigaraki? Yeah. Uh, I don't think Does, so. Is he riding on the Nomu straight to Tartarus? Maybe. I'm not sure, but I think it's irrelevant because he's either no, about no, to no. move out or they're on their way. I know what happens. Okay. okay, so if you look at the top panel, you can see that there. It's uh, you can see um, Dobby and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spinner there. Like, and Dobby has black hair all of a sudden again. Yeah, he does Weird. have black hair all of a sudden again. <laughs> <laughs> Good call, Brian. I didn't even, this panel is very small. And I also have kind of... There's there's like sometimes these small panels where sometimes you don't notice things. But um, yeah, they seem to be like chilling in the safe zone. Like they made it far enough that nobody's chasing them anymore. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, that's that's all I got to say about my hero. You guys Yeah, move on? same here. All right, it's time to randomize the X-Books, I believe. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Okay. Sorry, not the X-Books. Venom. (laughs) Uh, My bad. This is Venom number 32, I believe it is. I'm pulling it up now. I don't have my iPad as usual, so it's going to be a little hard for me to transition, but this is uh, Venom number fuck. Damn, I keep clicking the wrong book. Number 32, I was right. Um, last we left off uh, was the Iron Man tie-in, but we're not. it's not very important. Uh, last in King and Black. No. Um, a lot of the time was spent just picking him up and just being in the killing of Eddie Brock, just dropping him <laughs> from a building. And uh, the last Venom issue actually found us kind of like, damn, he's dead. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he flatlined, flatlined. and uh, you know everybody say it but uh, in any case we cut over to back all the way back in time where Eddie first hit that car and he kingdom hearts his way through the fucking where he de- signifying <laughs> that he's dead um, and he's like yeah shit he's actually watching the world of the living disappear from him like rise higher as he falls um if that's what death is, geez, Louise, I do not want any of that. Yeah. Just falling that in. That does not sound like a fun time at all. Mm, no. <laughs> yeah, who knew this comic would be a bad advertisement for death? 
Um, but it turns out he just like falls all the way back into earth. It looks like, and he's like, uh, what happened? Am I alive again? And he looks up and Rex from the beginning of the venom run has been waiting for him there. Uh, and basically what happens is, is he's, Eddie's starting to phase through people. He can see Rex, but he phases through people. He's like a symbiote ghost, essentially. Um, yeah, he's inside of the hive now. Yes. As like a, as a spirit or whatever. Yes, pretty much. Um, and he's not alone there, and neither is Rex. Uh, all of the people who are currently taken over by Null are also in, uh, are also in the hive, including the Thing and uh, everybody that he has there. Captain America is also part of the, the hive. Um, so, you know, Rex is like, there's nothing you could do for them. The only reason we're alive is that we've been uh, controlled by the symbiote for so long that we can just kind of survive here a little easier than most people. Um, and Venom's like, no, I've been trapped in here before and I've beaten this. I gotta go get my son. And, uh, yeah, Rex is basically like, yo, you gotta let that shit go because, you know, we got some, you're dead. Everybody knows you're dead. So, you know, it's time to let go of this material world and do some work within the hive essentially. And, um, Venom still, uh, Eddie Brock still refuses. He's like, I'm not going to let them take it. And Rex is like, take what? My death. I won't allow it. And, um, I'm like, cool. He's like, I'm not going to fucking die like this. We're going to figure it out. We're in the hive. We're special symbiote folks. Um, all I have to do is get Venom back. Right. If I could get the other, then, you know, we'll be square. And um, Rex is like, yeah, it'll be hard to get it free for, because it's like right next to Null at all times. But, you know. Um, yeah, and Eddie's like, damn, how am I supposed to get up there alone? And Rex says, you're not alone, kid. Like I told you, there's still some symbiote friendlies in the hive. And uh, the first of which, I don't know if there are more, but the first of which is a pretty sick fucking drop. As it turns out, someone yeah, boy. yeah, our so out from the silhouette comes in Agent Venom Flash Thompson in his anti-venom form, which is pretty fucking yeah. sick. Um, yeah, I mean, this was pretty fucking awesome. Honestly, you know what? Certified VGI for me. <laughs> Certified VGI. Certified VGI. Kind of hard to hate it. Uh, I I thought that was pretty cool, and the art is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The art's on another level in this issue. Um, but yeah, Flash Thompson back in his cool like anti venom like battle suit thing. Color me interested. I'm here for it. Uh, King and Black is turning out to be a very fun event, and it turns out it's going to be short. Like King and Black is like five issues long, the main series, and you know there are a couple of tie-ins like. Uh, Return of the Valkyries also came out. That was good, but it's not like mm-hmm. ultra crucial. You know, th- if there's any times you have to get, it's the Venom ones. But uh, yeah. it's a solid event. It's going to be kind of short, so it's not going to blast your wallet into oblivion. Um, I'm appreciating it. Uh, I like a I like a good compact event. I like a seven issue beast <laughs> with times that may or may not be super important. Um. But uh, that's all I got to say about Venom. It was very fun to read. Uh, Josh, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any thoughts? Negative. Negative? 
Negative. All right, then. It is time. It's No, I mean, it's... I want to see some some more action. I don't really, I don't even really care for this chapter. I mean, for this issue that much. I mean, it was, you know, it was a transitional one, but mm-hmm. nothing exciting. All right. With that, for without further We're ado, for more. it is time to randomize. Hmm. World trigger. Ooh. Yeah, this is World Trigger Chapter 205, The Away Mission Test Part 3. Last we left off uh, was the big uh, Away Mission exam draft. Uh, we did two rounds of it, and now this is going to be the f- third and final one. And with that, I pass you over to the commissioner. <laughs> it is Edgelord Big News Brian with the draft picks. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to... Well, thanks for returning to the (laughs) World Trigger... um, Away Mission Draft! draft. There you go. (laughs) Alright, we have already selected the first two rounds. And now we will get into the third and final round of the draft. Starting with Wakamura Squad. With the Ooh, first round watch. pick, they select Husey. Yeah, Hughes was picked first. Good call for for Rogue the Dara. rising star from Tamakamatsu. Yes. Yeah, I mean Hughes has like shown out in the last two rounds of the of the um, of the B rank wars. So I imagine picking up. Uh, first of all, he had his eye on Inukai, and then he was like, "Nah, nah." I'm a... He realized that like too many guns. Yeah, yeah, too many guns. You need a guy who has a sword. So he picks Hughes. And, I mean, can't go wrong with Hughes. Very smart fighter. Uh, and very demanding, too, which is interesting. Rokudera seems like a person who's very unsure of himself. And Hughes doesn't like that yeah. in a leader. So I wonder how that's going to actually turn out. Because I remember when he first joined Tamakoma, he was like, Osamu, if you don't fucking command this team, I'll do it. I'll be later. So yeah, I, I'll gladly take the lead. Basically. I was like, eh, that's my job. I call the shots. I can take that for me. That's all I got. It's called. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all I got. I mean, that's my pick analysis. I mean, can't go wrong. It's an easy one. Uh, what's the uh, next pick? The second pick of the third round. Kuruma selects Yuba. Hell yeah. Fucking McCree himself. Jeez. Why wasn't he picked first? Husei was picked over Yuba first. Yeah. I mean... He was considering that, picking up Yuba. He was considering picking up Inukai. Um, yeah, Inukai and Yuba. Right. He said he mentioned both. Inukai uh-huh. is, the, is the gunner, but, but Yuba is just a, it's just a fucking monster. He could beat people at mid-range, too. Yeah. Mid-range and close-range. Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong with you, but also a captain, which is pretty cool. I wonder yep. how I wonder how he'll vibe with, uh, with uh, Kuruma. He's a Susanary 1 captain. We don't really actually know a lot about him, even though they we've seen his squad battle a lot. But we haven't. We don't know a lot about it, him as the leader. It's interesting. Um, but uh, move on to the next pick, Brian. 
for the third pick in the third round. Sua Squad selects Katori. Um, I feel like this was a plot decision <laughs> because uh, she and Osamu don't have like a good relationship. So there will be some character development for both of them on that end. But Katori is not a bad pick either. She she has like a an attitude problem. Like, uh, but aside from that, she's a very talented agent. Apparently, you know, she's she actually killed Sua, I think, in their in their um in their uh, B rank war. So it's kind of mm. interesting to see. But I think she's an all rounder, right? She's she's got like multiple. Yeah, she can do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just very talented, but she doesn't like put in a lot of work. Um, and she has kind of like a, she's very hard to work with. But if she could put that aside, that's pretty cool. Um, I wonder what's how her if she's gonna vibe with Sua. Sua's a very like hardcore leader type of guy, a very aggressive leader, I think. But she's gonna strain her out. Yeah. <laughs> like iron. Um, what is the next pick, Brian? The fourth pick of the third round. Kodera selects Kitora. Two very similarly named characters picked one after the other. Um, Kitora's an A-rank agent. It's kind of like yeah. a no-brainer a little bit. And she's also very skilled on her own. Um, so, yeah. The, I think she's like the OG like Spider Master. So, that's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. She taught Osamu. The so. wires on the gun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm interested. Uh, and uh, I don't know how I know Kodera is a sniper, so I wonder how he'll be. As he he seems like a pretty laid back guy, so I think Kitora will work with, well with him. Um, Brian, what's the next pick? The fifth pick in the third round. Kakizaki selects Inukai. I'm surprised he went down this uh, this far. It seemed like he was like. A coveted one. He's a pretty talented gunner. Yeah. gunner. He's on the B rank number one. But yeah, Inukai gets a thing. I don't like him because he's cocky. He's cocky and he's got a, a devil may care attitude, but he's very talented. <laughs> I hope they keep wearing suits even though they're not on Nino Mia squad. Yeah, I wonder if they have to change their uh their uniform. <laughs> no I will say Nino Mia is the cleanest squad. Um, yeah, just a straight suit. Yeah. As long as I got my suit and tie. Brian, pick the next pick. The sixth pick in the third round. Murakami Squad selects Kazuki. Kuraochi from OG Squad. Uh, he's the guy with the salamander bullet. Um, yeah. He's pretty cool. I mean, he created his own bullet. That's pretty fire. Um yeah, for explosion. Gotta have that around. Um, no pun intended, right, Chris? What? You said that's pretty fire. Because he created his own explodes. I didn't know. I, I actually don't remember what the salamander was. I didn't make a pun. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next pick, Brian? <laughs> the seventh cut. pick in the in the third round. Mizukami selects. Teruya. Uh, she's on Kakizaki squad, I believe. And she's among one of the younger people in B rank. Um, she had a very smart moment against Chica, I believe, where uh, Chica was using the weighted bullets. And uh, 
she saw that, but so she blocked it with uh with a concrete, like piece of concrete. Yeah. And because like b- those bullets are the only ones that actually affect like non-trion targets. So it's pretty. It's she's very smart. It seems she has like a great intuition. Uh, she's a rookie. It looks like like she's like one of the younger ones. So, but she's got a lot of heart and she's very smart. So, I think this is a good pick. Next pick, Brian. The eighth pick in the over in the third round. Nino Mia selects first bucket. I mean, Emma. <laughs> this was cute as hell. Uh, I, yeah. The most wholesome fucking pick in the whole draft. Um, man. And Chica like lit up when he got when she got picked in mm-hmm. his squad. It was so cute. Um uh, it was very cool, and Nino Mia, like, kudos to him. He see he was like an asshole this entire time since he showed up, but then he saw Emma. He's like, "I'll be a good wingman." <laughs> I'll get yeah, you. right. He he felt his aura of like, "Pick me, pick me, please." Very wholesome. Why yeah. is he? Why did he pick up three? Wait, like obviously this was like just a you know a whatever pickup, but fuck. He has a lot of snipers. Like, I'm gonna win. Like, however, whoever I get, I'm gonna put it together a strategy, and we'll figure this out. Yeah, I mean, Ninomiya is an extremely skilled agent in and of itself, and he also has Azuma, uh, and he has Chica, a Tryon monster, and probably the best agent in in the B rank squad, or easily. So, what's his lineup? What's his squad then? It's, it's him, Azuma, sniper, 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 and then the third lady here is. Uh, is an operator so she's got he's got three snipers and that's all he has so it's just him and three snipers yes mm-hmm. because these guys are the only allowed to pick three people so how the fuck is he gonna pull this off i mean he, he he obviously has a plan because this third pick it was he didn't even care who he picked in this because all he wanted was i guess azuma and chica he wanted the two probably strongest people in the B rank squad, or the most crucial folk. Um, but yeah, most wholesome pick. I can't argue with it. Uh, very shocking, considering Ninomiya's general like sourpussness to be like, mm-hmm. "I'll throw you a bone, Emma." Um, pick the ninth pick, Brian. What is it? For the ninth pick in the third round, Kitazo selects Minamisawa. Uh, he is the attacker for Ikoma uh, uh, Squad. Uh, I mean, I like it. <laughs> I think he'll vibe well with uh, Kitazo. I think Kitazo is a very like chill kind of guy, and the Ikoma Squad people are very chill folks who are all very talented in their own right. So I think he wanted somebody like who was talented, but you know, not too rigid. I like it. I like the pick. Mm. Um, next pick, Brian. For the tenth pick in the in the third round, Oji selects Yukari. Obishima, who got rocked twice, <laughs> like who got rocked pretty easily against Yuma. Um, but you know, I, isn't this the girl that got Josh triggered? Yeah, this is the one who triggered Josh. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think actually she might be the least experienced person, but uh, she has a lot of heart. But she's so talented. I think people are she seeing has so that. much more potential, even more so than 
Yuma. I would figure you like characters like her, you know, just like a like a hardy. No, because he's doing hard. a little too much. It's a little too many people now. We already got the small little girl to, that to root for, and that's Amatori. Yeah, but they that's didn't it. make a big deal out of her. You know, she made a good mm, play. They made a pretty big deal. No, not out of Teria. It was epic, bro. <laughs> No, I'm just pulling you out. I know. Um, <laughs> Obi's got a lot of heart. Uh, and that's, she's not like the the toughest competitor, but, you know, she'll she'll put in the work if you give it. And uh, OG's her her uh, captain. So I think OG knows how to use people very well, and he's a very good strategist. So yeah. I think he'll just find a slot for her, essentially. Um, And what's the final Shinosuke. pick? Shinosuke. The 11th pick in the third round. Utagawa selects this guy. <laughs> well, to- actually, Tomo. actually, Utagawa had the last pick, so he he got Tomoe, who's kind of like Teruya's teammate. They're all on the they're all on uh, Kakizaki squad. Uh, another talented one, and one of the younger ones as well. We haven't seen much out of him, but you know, I'm sure he's he's good. He's gonna surprise some people. Maybe, maybe Utagawa's an A rank captain so he may be able to make something out of him um i'm here for it and now with that the squads are set um won't go through all of them but that's uh that's there's a big two-page spread that it, that has just like a good list of who's on what team and you know uh masafumi is like yo uh so the, the everything's set uh the time and test and the time and location of the test will be sent to your devices today at 3 p.m. Are there any questions? And there is one from a new character. Uh, his name is Wataru Urishima, who is on one of the squads. I don't really remember where he ended up. But he's on the B-rank 14th squad. Uh, he's the captain, and he's a gunner. And uh, his question is like, yeah, so earlier said that even if we turn down this mission... This test would amount to a gold star. Does that mean I'll be getting a chance at A rank? Will I become an A rank captain after this? And uh, they're like, and they, we also get a little breakdown of the compensation uh, system for border. Uh, B rank agents are paid by commission of how many neighbors they defeat. A rank mission. Which sucks, man. Like, what the fuck? Y'all not on on salary? Yeah, A rank captains or A rank agents are on a fixed salary, and they get commission for the neighbors they defeat. Pretty sick job, but it's a hard job to get. So I guess like that's the reason. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the best jobs are often the hardest to get. I'll tell you that. Um, so yeah, basically he's like, "Yo, I, I'm not doing this shit for free." You know, he's negotiating his fucking contract, dude. <laughs> it's really funny, uh, and. I, I like uh, Commander Keto. He he looks at them and he's like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> I guess. Okay. Okay. I I guess we tried to pull a fast one on you. We can't. How about this? We can't give you a salary and we can't make you A rank unless you do the test, like the selection exam for A ranks. But how about this? For the entire time that we're doing this mission, we'll give you a stipend of ten thousand yen. Uh, and. If you win and or if you're like good enough to be selected and you still turn down, we'll give you half of that stipend, which is five thousand yen a week. Uh, I don't know really how much that translates out to. I would say that's probably a hundred dollars a week, 
Uh, Brian, if you mm. want to Google like the conversion between that, um, sure. I uh, but yeah, basically they're getting money, and then um, Urashima's like, okay, I can fuck with that. So it's basically ninety six dollars per day. Yeah, all right, that's pretty nice. Cool. Yeah, so you know they work out that. So basically, the people who are participating in this not only will get paid for it to a degree with a stipend, um, even if they refuse to go on the mission they get essentially fifty dollars a week on top of the neighbors they defeat um it's pretty cool it's not bad yeah i like that border has always been kind of just open and they're not just this hoity-toity like no <laughs> you're lucky to even be here and die for us I like that they <laughs> i like that they respect their agents a little bit you know it's very cool uh osamu actually asks another question he says will the other aid rank agents be joining us for this test and uh, Masafumi says, yes and no. Uh, those who those in the A rank who are not here at the moment will participate in the phase two test. Whoa. Eventually, they're going to have to fight against A rank. Um, Hell yeah. But during phase one, they'll be judging all of you. So essentially, the A rank agents are going to be proctors for the exam. Uh, we get a big two-page spread showing all of them, including uh, A rank squads we haven't seen before. We actually finally get to see Midora Kawas. Uh, that's pretty cool. And I think this other squad is supposed to be the uh, the Trapper squad, the one with the white uniforms and the coat. It looks like the one that's mm. next to Tachikawa. And the number one agent is there too, right? Yeah, Tachikawa squad is there. All the A rank agents are proctoring this exam, um, except for the ones that are obviously. That's dope. Team. I'm so excited to see that. Well, I I hope. Like they that replaces kind of like the the desk thing. I don't know if they're gonna do that the the whole like you know commentary stuff. But if they aren't gonna do that play by play stuff, it would be cool to hear like like uh, these guys' input on like these things. You know, I think we're definitely gonna get that to a degree. It just won't be like you know like a sports commentary type of deal, like uh, the B Rank Wars was. But uh. Yeah, that's interesting. And the remember, the phase one of the exam is basically uh, learning the functions of the ship and cooperating with each other and living with each other. So it's more of a social test than anything of how captains are probably a- able to lead and how former captains probably take leadership. Because any B-rank agent that comes along in this is probably not going to be up on the hierarchy. Um, their supplementary force is probably at best. So it's interesting to see. Um, it's very, it's going to be a very different round and it'll be a while probably before we see any action in world trigger, but mm. yeah, I mean, that was, this was a fun couple of chapters between the draft. I really, uh, enjoy, I really enjoyed this moment. I, world trigger has a weird charm to it, like an, an administrative charm to it. I really appreciate, uh, makes it one of my favorites. It's so different from everything else. Uh, I have no idea how these team dynamics are going to play out, so I'm just super... Uh, I hope we get back to two chapters a month. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Well, so you get a I'll say this. Bit more. Uh, this chapter was longer than most, uh, 22 pages, I believe. So, I mean, maybe. I'm hoping to make it a little longer, but I don't want to push this guy's health anymore. So, I just, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to have this. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. This guy did a really good job in making me very interested in what's going to happen with Sua Squad. <laughs> this, this, he did a very good job. Very interesting. I'm just, 
I think uh, I fucking love Sua. I think Rokudera. Brian touched on this last month, but I think Rokudera is probably going to get a little bit of a special focus because he, well, for one, he chose Hughes, and Hughes does not mm-hmm. like weakness in captains. So, and Rokudera is a person that seems very unsure going up against, even in this draft when picking people, he was just like, "Fuck, what do I do?" So I think that's the yeah. build up there. Um. I also I can't wait to see the wholesome team, which is Nino Mia, ironically, um, <laughs> who's like who's got Emma and Chico board. I'm really rooting for those kids. <laughs> um, very excited. But I just met. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking like maybe Nino Mia is gonna run a squad where he uses himself as bait for snipers or something. Who knows? I can't imagine Nino. Mia I feel like that would make sense because he. Like, well, they're not doing a combat he, thing. I so I, and it depends on what I don't think they're going head to head against A rank squads in the second round. So because this test is kind of pertaining to what an away mission would be like. So it's interesting to see what like. I think Ninomiya does doesn't care who he lives with. He just plans on, you know, just doing getting over with. He's a leader, so he's just like I'm not gonna. Man, it would be a shame if there isn't a, a isn't like a battle simulation with these mix-ups you know that would be there so will be phase cool. two is a battle is a is a battle phase but yeah i don't know this first one it's interesting um but that's all i gotta say about world trigger i'm ready to move on boys yep. mm-hmm. boys let's move it's time to randomize The X-Books, finally, actually, now it's time. We now X-Books. we're doing the X-Books. Um, we're starting with X-Factor um, number six. Uh, this is X-Factor number six. Last we left off, uh, Siren was murdered, and we don't know who did it. Uh, the next, we, we cut over to the, like the next day, or just a new day in the X-Factor building. Everybody's just chilling, you know having these little character moments with each other, you know, being a team. And then they get called out to, uh, what, London, is it? Uh, so they go out there, and they find that Siren has been murdered again. Um, Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what what uh, Polaris says. <laughs> She's like, oh, fuck, why? Not again. And, uh, yeah, they're just, like, really trying to figure out what just happened. Um, and apparently Siren lied to them uh, before and they had to take it. You know, after Siren was resurrected, uh, she lied about being in an accident and now she's dead again. So it's not escaping them this time. And they're basically doing a crime scene investigation in conjunction with the police of uh, wherever they are. And they freak out the CSI lady who's trying to look for like, uh, microscopic uh, clues of of a sort. Yeah, the forensic scientist. Yeah, and uh, they get Eye Boy to help her out, uh, because he has microscopic vision. He can just see whatever she can't at the moment. Um. So yeah, uh, Polaris is kind of feeling some type of way because, like, yo, she was my friend, and she's just lying to me all the time. But she's lying to me about dying twice. What the fuck is going on? And mm-hmm. um. And Northstar basically tells her, like, yeah, I mean, you know, she's she probably didn't mean anything by it. You know, she didn't want to, she didn't want to, like, make you conflicted between 
like your your duties as an X Factor person and her friendship. You know what I mean? Like she don't want to make that relationship kind of con- um complicated. But you know, he he basically comforts her and they start to split off into their own separate ways. Um Northstar tells Dakin basically like, "Okay, so like the second she's resurrected, I need you to tail her and figure out what the fuck is happening." Um and Dakin's like, Smart. "I and this is like cool little character moment is like, look, man, I, I want to be wrong about you. You know, you're like, you were a former villain and I want my cynicism to be displaced. Prove me wrong. And Dakin's like, you got it. <laughs> I'll do it, bro. Um, Rachel splits off to go and give uh siren to the healing garden so they can do an autopsy. And, uh, and the, and what's this kid's name again? I, is a um, prodigy. Charge. Prodigy. Prodigy. Yeah. Yeah. And prodigy asks if he can go with her. Um. Basically, he wants to be the forensics expert for the X Factor team, um, which is cool. I think they need that. I don't think no none of the, none of the people on this team actually have that experience. So, and prodigy has the ability to learn, and that's his immune ability is that he absorbs the knowledge and skills of whoever he's next to. So. Yeah, so he basically follows her, um, and ba- and as they leave the crime scene, finally, this fucking uh, anti mutant guy, basically this mutant racist, is like, "Get out of here! Go on, get!" And uh, basically, they have to be like, "Yo, we should get some official badges so people take us a little more seriously, and they don't just shout racist things at us." Um, yeah. And I boy's like, "You got it! I'll I'll make the fucking badges." Um, so, yeah, uh, Prodigy and Rachel are hanging out uh, as this one lady is doing an autopsy on Siren's body, and uh, Prodigy decides to ask her something. We cut over to the boneyard, and we find out that the thing that he asked her for is to have uh, to take some of the mutant corpses and basically have them as cadavers for him to study in the backyard of the boneyard. Uh, and Northstar is like, no! <laughs> Why do you want all these corpses here? Uh, did you want to say something, Josh? I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. No, that's, um, I, I forgot what I, what I was going to mention before, but this is pretty intense, you know? I mean, sure, it's called the Boneyard, but <laughs> God damn, man. Like, yeah. you want to do all of this research right over here? You can't go find another fucking building or warehouse. Yeah. Something like that. I can understand all star on that, but it is a pretty important job. Yeah, he's basically like we don't actually know what happens to mutant bodies when they decay and when they degrade. So like it would be kind of useful to know that if we're gonna be a a mutant law and order, essentially, and do some investigations. So it would be good to know about the degradation process of mutant corpses. And um after a little bit of bickering, North Star is like all right, <laughs> fine. Uh, and they agree. They get their little uh, cadaver yard set up and all is right with the world. Uh, later on, after Siren is resurrected, they the X-Force team confronts her and is like, yo, so what's really going on? And uh, the next few pages... You got a whole attitude. Yeah, Siren aggressively denies everything they tried to like ask her about. 
you know, and it doesn't really show suspicion. Like, it doesn't really make her less suspicious of anything. Yeah, like, what the fuck, bitch? Like, we're trying to figure out how the fuck you keep dying, and you have an attitude. Like, you're not trying to figure this out either. It's really weird. Well, it's not that she's even trying to not find out, because as apparently four members of the X X Factor can do, they in their own special ways, they're all lie detectors. Um, Damn. Which is pretty useful for an investigative body. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's pretty sick. Uh, so they all determine unanimously that she's lying. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. She's lying and she's also be afraid of uh, finding out, of them finding out the truth. So Polaris just runs out to confront her and she's like, yo, why are you fucking being this way? And um, yeah, she's, Siren's like, yo, just worry about the resurrection protocols and leave the hero stuff up to the big guns. And this ooh. Ooh, should not have pressed that button because Polaris uses her like head things. Those are weapons, apparently. Um, and she just starts like crushing the ground around Siren and basically trapping her in this weird metal blade ball thing. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, whoa. And uh, Polaris is like, yo, I almost split this world in half. Do you know who you're talking to? I'm Polaris. Um, but Siren apparently uses her uses her powers because her things are like Banshee. She can she does the uh, Siren, uh, the the big yell thing. Her sound powers. She also has this weird yeah. hypnosis thing with her voice, and uh, she basically like control mind controls uh, Polaris, and is like, yo, if any of the X Factor Force, uh, X Factor folks, look into my death again. You're gonna have to sabotage them aggressively. Damn. And she walks away. Expeditiously. Yeah, expeditiously. Um and she walks off and she's like, I win. Mind control. Um I like this issue a lot. Uh Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty lit. Yeah. It's a yeah, it was a really cool I don't I genuinely don't know the mystery. I think it's a very interesting one too. Uh, why does Ben? Why does Siren want to die over and over again? I wonder why. It's very interesting. Uh, this was very. I thought a demon had taken over her or something <laughs> at first, but then when the letters turned to red, but I realized she was just using her power. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if it weren't for Venom, this probably would have been my RGC. I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I like how it's unfolding. Um. Mm. But uh, with that being said, uh, we're moving on to Hellions number eight. Uh, and yeah, last... this was my VGI. Oh, word? Yes. Certified VGI. All right. Well, last we left off with Hellions. Uh, the Hellions were on a mission to retrieve Nanny's uh, ship so that she can make a new uh, suit for Orphan Maker because if he doesn't have that suit... He's going to destroy everything. He's the one mutant that Xavier is like, yeah, I mean, like, mutants, mutant, mutant powers are a gift, but Orphan Maker is something else. We got to contain this motherfucker right now. It's straight up a curse. Yeah, it's not good. And this is coming from the guy who made an island for all of you to live on. And yeah, and thinks, even you know, Apocalypse. Yeah. So on their way to do that, they run into Cameron Hodge, who uh, is a villain I'm not super familiar with, but I know he's bad news because nobody likes him. Nobody likes this motherfucker. 
Um, so this is a funny moment up top is that while he's monologuing, Nanny and Wildchild just like run past <laughs> him, and he's like, "I'm monologuing here." It's a it's a funny little. Mo- Hellions has been very funny. I'm appreciating it. Oh yeah. Um, and the rest of the Hellions are like, I guess we'll stay and smack him in the mouth. We don't like this dude. Um, yeah. So you know they start fighting their uh, Cameron Hodge and his and his robot uh, henchmen. Um, the robot henchmen seem to be like on the fence about killing mutants, where they're like, "Well, actually, their DNA is not that much different from humans." So like, not, why are we? Why are we doing this? And Cameron Hodge is like, "Because I tell you to," and controls them further. Um, that fight continues. Nanny and uh, Wildchild break into and finally get to the ship. Actually, um, when back at the battle, uh, Cameron Hodge seems to have found Empath, and Empath is like, he's he's beaten up, uh, and Cameron Hodge is like, "Look at you, beg for for forgiveness," and Empath says, "For what? You're the one who was about to have unnatural relations with a robot, and uh, that didn't work on him." <laughs> So he just basically has his robot cave his fucking skull in. And uh, everybody's like, whoa, he's not going to make it. And kind of with his dying (laughs) moments, Empath looks up and is like, I couldn't find his mind. And it turns out that the guy that's in front of them is not the real Cameron Hodge. It's just a robot uh, that thinks he's Cameron Hodge. Yeah. Swears he is. And Empath basically dies laughing at him as Cameron Hodge is like, I am Cameron Hodge. Hey, robots, you wouldn't shoot Cameron Hodge, right? Uh, and the robot's like, no, we would never shoot Cameron Hodge. And he's like, fine, right, then shoot, shoot me. And then they're like, okay, you're not Cameron Hodge. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he yeah, dies. Yeah, this nigga out. Yeah. He dies. He dies right there. And Empath is like, yo, that shit was crazy. Blech. and he died also (laughs) yeah he's dead too Uh, one of these I guess we have great respect for the dead on this show Um, oh yeah (laughs) um, so yeah I mean Havoc goes up to one of these robots and actually starts building a friendship with them and as soon as I saw that I was like and as soon as I saw that coupled with what happens immediately on the next page where Psylocke is like, yeah, we had a secondary mission. Uh, Magneto had us come through and uh, implant of a Krakoan virus into their system, you know? And I'm like, oh, no. You're uh, going to make Havoc sad again. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, yeah, as this is happening, Grey Crow is like, well, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. I'll put in the virus. And uh, Psylocke is like, no, I know you're trying to be a good guy now, so you don't I'm going to keep you as far away from killing as possible. So I'll do it. And she does it as Havoc is literally having a sweet conversation with these robots. Psylocke pushes the button and exterminates this, this uh, group of robots. Um, we then cut to them inside of Nanny's ship. Nanny is like, Havoc has been pouting since, uh, since we left Nevada. I could bring his, I could bring back his smile if he, if I wanted my precious discovery would do that, but he can't be trusted. And uh, one thing I, I guess I neglected to mention is that on Nanny's ship, they found something. And it turns out what they found oh boy. is a baby version of this robot. 
of the, baby this robot. robot. <laughs> baby robot. Of those things. <laughs> and Nanny being, I guess, this weird nanny character is like, I'm going to raise it. Um, yikes. Uh Okay, so the reason that I guess the Quiet Council told her to take down these robots is that the mutants don't really look kindly on AI, especially since one of the features that we saw in House and Powers of X, they kind of fall to it. So whenever I feel like they, whenever they see a new like version of AI cropping up, they decide to terminate it immediately. Um, you know, cause... which is really interesting because there are different, there are a few forms of AI out there already. Mm-hmm. And is it like all forms of AI are bad? Like yeah. inherently, for is that what their job is? Because you know Tony Stark was an AI for a little while. Yeah, I mean, thank God he's not um, an AI anymore, because they would have been like, "Yo, we gotta, yeah, get, right. we gotta get Tony today." But, but what about y- Yokara? Who's Yokara? Whatever, the robot lady. Yokari. I don't know. Whatever. There well, was a robot. They don't like androids, it. maybe. They don't like these, uh, they don't like AI at all, which I guess if you know that AI is going to slaughter your entire people at some point, you'd probably try to get rid of it at all costs too. Sure. But I I, I mean, there's still this baby left, so who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, the Xbox were good this week. Uh, I enjoyed both of them. What about Warlock? He's AI. Not technically. He's a mutant AI. He's not, I guess he's not like a man-made AI. Is that what they're going for? Is that if, they, I guess. if these humans That's are making AI. Uh, yeah, human-made AI is, yeah. Uh, okay, there's this little fine. quote in this information page that like fire, AI is is a discovery, not an invention. Let us not tolerate mm-hmm. embers lest we face an inferno. They do not like AI. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to destroy. Inherently bad. They're you. trying to destroy Siri for good. They're like, Get out of oh, here. Oh, yes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, those were the Xbox. They were very fun this week. Uh, I enjoyed both of them. Um, ready to move on, boys? Oh, yes. It's time to randomize. Son of a bitch. Black Clover. This is Ooh. this is Black Clover Chapter 277. Holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> there were some holy shit moments in this, yeah. Um... We got color pages. A cute little color page. Um, we then World opened... Trigger had a color page. It did. You're right. Both both color pages this week was pretty cool. Uh, one Piece also has one. We'll get to it. Um, we start off where we left off. Uh, you know, blasting a hole through Xenon. <gasps> oh, shit! Uh, pretty gangster. And you know, it's just like die regretting that you ever meddled with the Golden Dawn. Ooh, man, you know, oof, is it, <laughs> Mister McShiesty? Okay, yeah, Mister McShiesty. Uh, <laughs> and Zenon is just looking up, like, Ugh, I'm sure he's gonna be fine. Um. Anyway, we cut over to uh, Vanica, who is, <laughs> who's basically being, you know, shonen villain. He's just like, ah. Oh, she was real. She was a little more on the shysty spectrum. Yeah. A little high on the shysty spectrum. spectrum this one, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically, okay, so Vanica's just like, uh, I heard we had intruders, but none of you are Noel, so I'm not interested. 
So here, fight one right. of these eight shining generals that we made a big deal of earlier in the series, but are now just my henchmen. And um, she does mention that they're pretty tough. I mean, not on their own, you know, with her curse magic, and also, like, I know she mentions like it's her curse magic and some. Uh, damn, I'm trying to find what she says exactly. Whatever she says, uh, like now that they're infused with my curse magic, they're pretty tough. Um, so, <laughs> God. oh, she said Morris's <laughs> modifications and her. You don't, you don't care too much for her, do you? No, <laughs> I think she's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not particularly. It's fine. Yeah. So basically, she does. Uh, both of these magic knights go off on on them, but real easily kind of blocks it with his uh, picture magic. Uh, it's a really cool two-page spread, actually. Um, his magic has always been, like, kind of interesting to look at. Um, his art for the magic? Yeah. You know. uh, so, yeah, basically, like, oh, I wish I could have fought that anti-magic kid and the dark magic guy who took out Dante. I wanted to turn them into toys. Oh, well, I guess they're just going to die. And Charlotte's like, ooh, don't talk about my man. And she gets so mad at that. Oh, yeah. And she flashes back. He's like, ooh, I've been fucking training with the runes. I mastered the runes. And strangely enough, if you use the runes, they can kind of like enhance your curse magic. And I grew stronger because I, I, it kind of reminded me that Charlotte was cursed by Megicula to begin with. And a lot of her magic is stemmed from curse, uh, curse magic. So she uses the room in conjunction the runes in conjunction with uh her cursed uh briar magic to just kind of make this big blue rose paradise thing and it mm. kind of sucks away the curse off of these eight shining general guys and the more of the curse that she sucks out of it the stronger her briars get and yeah. Man, that's when Megicula shows up and who has been hiding underneath her eye patch this entire time is like, yo, that shit's crazy. You're oh, using my powers what? against me. Right? Damn, that's hella fast. <laughs> Whoa. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, Megicula is. She's like, oh, I'll show you instead. And look at my fly ass flower dress. Yeah, check out my new foreign queen of briars. Um, which is cool. I like the thorn cape that she put on, the thorn skirt. Yeah, it's pretty lit. Yeah, pretty sick. Like the crown, too. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I just peeped the crown. Good crown. Just like I Yami. I think Yami would be proud. Just like, uh, I mean, you know. You know also has a crown with his ultimate form. Um, And basically, she says, yeah, I'll save you and just show you how strong I am, Yami. Uh, and Rill is like, whoa. Man, Charlotte became uh, captain without even using her true power. Um, and Megicula and and Vanica get super hype and just try to attack her, but um, the Briars start to ensnare her as well. And Charlotte and Charlotte's like, "Ah, remember, the stronger the cursed opponent is, the more power I get." So she basically just wraps her up in this weird Briar ball thing, and. Yeah, that's the end. Uh, that's the end of the chapter. A cool special move, where it's like, Phwah! die without getting your wish. That's my punishment for you. Yeah, hopefully she really is dead and crushed. 
but um <laughs> we both know come on i thought it was hilarious because she's like <laughs> no like she doesn't even give her the opportunity to fight her you know what i'm saying like she's like nah yeah yeah i agree i mean i mean i like this chapter quite a bit but i know for a fact that next chapter we're probably going to get the dante fight he's gonna probably be bodied and then something's gonna happen that all these guys get a power up and shit gets real yeah they're gonna <laughs> she's gonna break out of that ball which is not a bad thing oh the real fight begins. yeah which is not a bad thing but it oh, is what's gonna happen cool. You got any more tricks up your sleeve? Oh, hmm. be like, oh. you made me use my demon form, kind of. Where, kind of. where only my left cheek is is a demon now. <laughs> Not my whole body, I'm like my full demon it. form. But this, but this should be enough, I guess. Oh, you made <laughs> me use my elbow form, where only my elbow is a demon. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, I don't want. I don't want to throw. I don't want to throw dirt on. on I don't either. Charlotte. She she did her thing. No, I'm not throwing dirt on Charlotte. I'm throwing dirt on these demons, the Dark Triad. I know they're gonna in do the, that. In shit. the Dark Trope. The Dark Trope. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. I mean, Black Clover. Remember Hody of the Sun Pirates? Yeah. What about him? He's on the front cover with. Uh, uh, all I see is your lock screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Shonen Jump cover is like all the different artists drawing various One Piece characters. Jujutsu Kaisen guy drew Arlong, and that was pretty sick. He drew a good Arlong. Oh, is that what's going on? Mm-hmm. Wow. Who's the bunny guy with the scar? What the fuck? Oh, <laughs> Asta was with the uh, the lady. Yo, that's mad cool. Undead Unlocked is a smoker. That's mad cool. I didn't notice that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, this dude with the gun has kids, sure. Whatever that, whatever that is. What's Sakamoto Days? Sakamoto Days has... Damn, I'm trying to find it. Sakamoto Days has Ben Beckman from Shanks' crew. Oh. That's pretty cool. Anyway. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Anyway, yeah, this is a really cool guy. That was Black Clover, and now it's time to randomize... One Piece. Yes, sir. Chapter 1000. Let's go. He did it. The king. The king. Yeah, I mean, the last two pages, the last two chapters, Shonen Jump gave a dedicated, celebrated moment where every uh, Shonen Jump artist currently in Jump drew a One Piece character along with their protagonist. Basically, One Piece has a big-ass two-page poster spread, which is very reminiscent of their first chapter. Um, it's basically their first chapter cover, but with all the Straw Hats instead of the Shanks characters. Uh, he did this once before. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did it uh, once before with uh, when the time skip first happened. He recreated that drawing, and now he did it again for chapter 1000. Uh, very cool. Uh, very nostalgic. Yeah. But um yeah, this is chapter one thousand. Straw hat Luffy. Oh man. Uh I guess right off the bat, this is my RGC. Very easy. Oh, RGC. Same, same. <laughs> you were the this RGC. Damn it. <laughs> this is a unanimous mm. RGC. <laughs> Did you just throw your hat in me? I think that's what we gotta do. 
whenever there's a whenever there's a unanimous RGC, we have to throw it up into the, our hats in the air. Oh yeah, like a graduation tassel. <laughs> All right, you so think we, Shaq is going to be pissed off that that One Piece won unanimous MVP? <laughs> I mean, unanimous RGC. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it deserves the unanimous. The chapter starts off immediately where Luffy is up against a staircase where, uh, all of the henchmen there were defeated by the three musketeers of, uh, of Zoe, uh, the Darkstorm three musketeers. And, um, Luffy's like, thanks, Lion Viper. And, and, uh, Shishilan says, it's Shishilan. And he says, don't worry, I haven't forgotten. Shishilan. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Shishilan. You got it wrong. And uh, he basically tells Shishilan, like, I remember, man. And he's like, what? No, you don't. <laughs> like, he doesn't say it, but he looks like, you see the question mark, like, no, you just got my, what are you talking about? <laughs> but Luffy's actually talking about, it, like, no, I remember how you guys risked your lives to protect Raizo. And I'm like, yeah, that was one of the fucking realest moments in the series. That was, man. They did. They held it down. Dude, I mean, and he and Shishilan breaks down crying, remembering that too. Like, oh man, he remembered our fucking sacrifice. He's gonna do it for us, you know. Uh, it's a very sweet moment. Uh, we cut back to uh, the battle between Marco, King, and Queen, and he has both of them in a fucking like Phoenix arm lock, just like <laughs> settle mm-hmm. down. He says, "Easy now, easy." Right, got him yoked up, man. Yeah. He said, "Little boys, settle down. Stop freaking out and let the man go." And he just launches Zoro through the hole in the in the roof. And then we cut over to uh, to Momonosuke and Yamato, and Yamato gives Momonosuke uh, Odin's journal, and he's basically like, "Yeah, we." Uh, someone must have kept this journal safe from the burning castle. It contains everything there is to know uh, about Odin's life and what he experienced, including, you know, all the secrets that we are all probably going to learn at the end of this arc. Secrets of D. Yeah, the secrets of D. Um, D. We then get one final flashback. That's fitting, as you, I could probably tell. It's a thousand chapters, a little bit of a celebration. One of the more pivotal characters in the series. One more look of Ace. And his Ooh. his final words about, you know, what's going to happen down the line. And he's talking about how there's going to be a bunch of pirates coming over. Uh, and, you know, Odin was right. They're coming. Uh, and one of them is my little brother. And he's going to be, he basically off screen tells her that he's going to be king of the pirates. But he's like, ah, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that shit out loud because I'm actually trying to make Whitebeard the king of the pirates. My bad, my bad. Yeah. But. You hang for that. He said, forget you You heard that, but don't laugh at it. Me and Saba won't allow it. That's at the end of my little brother's dream. And he says, I really think he can make it happen. I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about wholesome. God, wholesome. Some wholesome brotherly love. And it turns out we learn now that, like, well, first of all, Yamato's like, I will never laugh at him. You know, it was it was a sweet moment. and then Which was he, mad respect. Yeah, and at the end of it all, it turns out Yamato's the one who gave Ace his Viva card. Um, yeah, I'm a a big connection between her and Luffy from the beginning. Um, wow. So does this essentially solidify? Does this throwback with her solidify her placement on the crew? Yeah, I'm sure that that Yamato first straw hat probably. Which yeah, they're setting it up. They're setting it up for the moment when. Um, 
when they get to Raftel, uh, Laftail and Luffy says the same thing that Roger said when he got there. Mm-hmm. Well, or something laugh. like that. You know? <laughs> laugh immediately, because that's what Laftail does. Um, but anyway, yeah, Ace leaves. You know, his business there is done. Uh, Kaido's not there, so he he bounces for now. And Yamato uh, yells at him, let's meet up again one day, Ace. And then one day, Ace's card just disappeared. He never, she never saw him again. Real quick, um, does this mean that Viver cards come from Wano? Because it's a uh, one-way, like, it's a lockdown country, right? Like, how would she know about Viver cards? That's not a bad question. Mm. Uh, that I don't is know. an interesting well, question. Well, she is, the, she is uh, Kaido's kid. So and Kaido's been around, so I would imagine. Yeah, so I guess he has. If anything, Kaido could have brought it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, she says Ace's card just disappeared, and shortly after that, I learned the news from the newspaper. I learned that Ace was Roger's son, and that his little brother really made his name for himself as a pirate. That was Luffy, the man you brought here. As we get Luffy bursting through onto the roof, oh my God! Dope two-page spread. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> chills down my spine yeah. as Kid Killer and Law and Zoro are already there. And uh Doesn't Law have a second hand man? Was it? That's Beepo? the one thing I wanted to say about this is like I, I wish that maybe Beppo was here or somebody from Law's crew because we don't get nearly enough of them. And whenever they're on screen, it's mostly like for laughs. Mm-hmm. So I wish that Law had somebody, a representative from his, like his second mate, on here as well, to make it like kind of a complete cool set. Um, Agreed. But yeah, basically everybody's there. Two page spread as, as the combatants are staring each other down. Big Mom and Kaido versus the new generation you know, of they pirates. They look so crazy and ominous in the background. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, but Law's used, but Law's always moving by himself. That's that's the thing. That's true. No, I mean, I'm not true saying that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I just wish that would have been like a just a cool thing if if we saw more of his crew, honestly. Um, but in any case, yeah, I mean, this is a cool ass moment because Kaido's like, Linlin, you want to know what this boy fucking said to my face? <laughs> Yo, I love this whole part because oh my, yeah, and, I'll I'll save it until the end. I'll save it until ooh, the end. Me too. I have some shit to say. Uh. Yeah, Big Mom's like, ooh, he's a saucy one, huh? And he destroyed my fucking castle. You owe me an apology for that. <laughs> and then Luffy just walks past them. Silence. Nothing to say. And Kaido's like, yo, boy, say that again. And he's instigating. Luffy's just ignoring these big, like these veterans, essentially. No respect. Mm-hmm. As he goes over to Keenanmon and he says, I'm sorry it took me so long. Are you all right? And Keenanmon is just like kind of barely hanging on, and he's his friends are all defeated. And he's like, "Alas, I have nothing to show Lord Odin but my shame." And uh, he clutches onto Luffy. Oh, look at his weeping Japanese face! <laughs> <laughs> and he he holds onto Luffy, and he says, "Will you put this country on your back?" And Luffy says, <laughs> "Of course I will. This is my friend's country." And that's when. And then we get Kaido at the risk, at the risk of Shishua, Shoisha. Shoisha. Dang, look at that face right there. This mm-hmm. is what Luffy's fighting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kaido's right Why behind man? him. He just pulls up like, "Hey, boy!" 
And uh, before Kaido can even move, he just yells at Trafalgar Law to send them down below to safety. And Law does so. Law's like, yeah, I know. I think Law really low-key is just like, yeah, I, I, he, nobody's beating this man. Uh, he he vanishes the Ayaka, Akazaya 9. Luffy dodges Kaido's uh, blast uh, attack, and he blows up his hand into the gear 3. And as mm-hmm. he's about to unleash his fist down upon Kaido, he gets these flashbacks of everybody who fucking sacrificed so much to get this far and just to take down Kaido. He remembers fucking the young Don Yasui's death. He remembers mm-hmm. everything and he puts it all into this one punch. And this new attack is called Gum Gum Red Rock. Red with, Rock. With no K. Is that his new, is that the new, the, is that his Rio now? Yeah. It's that with the Rio stuff? and fire stuff? from like Red Hawk, but with gear three attached. Uh, Just so you guys know, a, a rock. The rock is a, it's a bird. It's another bird. So yeah, it's like Red Hawk, but now it's a red rock. Red rock is a mythical bird. Ooh. Oh, he had a move called Red Rock before? No, No, he had a move called Red Hawk. Yeah, Red Hawk. That was his gear second. That was his gear second when he set his fist on fire. Yeah, this is basically the same move. Red Rock. Oh, that's fire. This is basically the same move, but with gear three instead of gear two. Yeah. And, um. Okay. Yeah, and Kaido uh, felt uh, that. Hockey. You see this tiny little panel where Kaido's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he finally introduces himself. He says, I am Monkey D. Luffy, and I am the man who will surpass you to become king of the pirates. I heard your bitch ass before, and I'm repeating myself. Now. I mean, <laughs> Oda rarely does very special things for his like milestone chapters, but I mean, I guess it's kind of unavoidable. And it, not to say that this is like all that special it is kind of just a continuation of the story um but it's such a great like tribute to his protagonist that really has had a goku moment like that's like a very this was very reminiscent he it was very much the same thing when goku came back from the land of the dead in the saiyan saga and he just walked past Vegeta and Nappa to check on Krillin and it was like and gave him a sense of being. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I think Oda literally like was like, This is my this is my ode to the original Dawn. This is my like tribute to Dragon Ball. This the story that inspired wow, me. Wow, so I didn't much. think of that. Um and I, I don't that's know. Awesome if that's the but case. I don't know, but that's what how I got about it because it's very reminiscent of those moments where Goku would come back and show support for his friends before he got into battle, making sure his boys are okay. Um, the chapter itself is so fucking cool. <laughs> uh, that big two-page spread is like poster-worthy almost. If somebody can color that for me and put it on a fucking poster and send that red over, that'd be rock. sick. Yeah, the red rock too. Boy. Oh man, so many, so many cool, so much cool shit to say about this chapter. I'm gonna let you guys speak. <laughs> I don't know. You want to go first, Josh, or should I? Go ahead, bro. Okay, so. There is so much to fucking love about this chapter. Um, the main, there's there's a few little mini takeaways that I noticed too, where like you see this panel here where Luffy puts on his hat. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's a Joy Boy thing. What do you mean? So, ba- um, so you know how you know Joy Boy, right? Like the like. I know the Joy name. Boy. I know the name, but I don't. We haven't heard. So a lot there's about this. Him. He every like 
this little panel silhouette of him putting on his hat is a connection to Joy Boy because there's there's been panels before of Joy Boy with this exact like kind of silhouette putting on hat kind of thing. So it's kind of further linking Luffy to to Roger and and Joy Boy. It's funny. I don't really remember any panels about Joy Boy himself. We I don't I recall ever seeing him. It was like a silhouette of Joy Boy, or even a silhouette. Yeah, it's always a silhouette. Like I don't think there's much too much about Joy Boy, but every time there is, it has something to do with the hat, with the straw hat. Hmm. I mean, Um, yeah, that's cool. And I'm really interested in like what Luffy's dream is because obviously this isn't as simple as oh he's going to be king of the pirates right like there's it's more to it mm-hmm. um, that I really do think is interesting um, because like that kind of response shouldn't bring out her crying oh well not him her him crying like Yamato crying mm-hmm. like I this is so interesting like there's. I wonder if there's something like what he could possibly want, like that could invoke that kind of response, you know? Yeah. Oh man. Maybe it's like a naive dream. Like he wants to free the world or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, it's just, there's so many layers to one piece. I mean, there's so so much lore. People keep talking about the end, but I mean, I'm just here trying to enjoy this ride, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy for, for what One Piece has become, and you know, it's my favorite series ever. I can't really say much else. It's it's one of the best. Uh, you gotta respect the gangster. Yeah, the One Piece has far has 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 completely redeemed itself from its soap soap fruit <laughs> Josh doesn't like the soap I can soap. Say one thousand chapters in, there are no flaws. Mm, not at all uh man yeah such a great chapter uh i don't want to fawn over it forever because i can but uh it's awesome i mean i actually have one more thing to say um i think like this this whole like the the trio of kid law and luffy i feel like it's so prominent because i feel like they all three of them inherited something from roger you know Mm mm-hmm like I think, I think Luffy inherited his his will. Uh, Kid inherited his power, and Law inherited his curiosity. Yeah, that's what I think. Maybe. I mean, they all have. Yeah, they all have the will of D. Gold Gold Roger also had it. He foresaw them. Basically, he knew that they were coming. It's uh, it's cool, dude. Zoro is there, man. It's over for these niggas. <laughs> yeah, they had cut off. I'll say this: Zoro this has actually yet. Zoro has, has yet to, to be... have been challenged since he got to the New World. It's kind of wild. Yeah, I was just about to say this is going to be the first time we'll ever. There's a chance that Zoro would actually struggle so far <laughs> after the time skip. Yeah. you know how crazy that is. <laughs> yeah, that's the only like, time can, he'll face a struggle. By Kaido. I don't know what the fuck they're going to contribute to this battle, but we'll see. Yeah, maybe they trained. Maybe he also taught him Ryu, uh, Ryusui or Rio. Mm, maybe. Yeah, the Rio uh, hockey. But uh, damn, I was going to say something, but I forgot. But so good. Oh, yeah. It, it, the only bummer about this is that all manga is off next week. So we don't get a new One Piece chapter right oh off the God. bat. Mm, it's very sad. Bad life. 
Yes, your life. But we're eagerly anticipating not only One Piece, but everything, everything Jump has to offer. But I can't wait for One Piece. Holy shit! The final battles are set. I I don't think we're actually gonna get the real meat and potatoes of the battle. We might get little like teases here and there, but I think the other battles have to settle first, in true One Piece fashion, where the one on ones have to go, and they have to do their thing. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be a history book war. I mean, a history book battle in the One Piece world. Oh, for sure. Like, like this is going to be on par with what happened with the Rocks Pirates and shit. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got the nation of one on one is back. Yeah. Um, but uh, with that being said, you guys ready to move on? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yes. It's time to randomize. <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is Jujutsu Kaisen chapter 134, the Shibuya incident part 51. Um last we left off, uh uh Mahito was defeated by Itadori and then subsequently absorbed into Ghetto's uh cursed technique, which is now we're learning is I think we've seen a version of this before, but um, we open up with him explaining, are you familiar with the maximum techniques? And I'm like, oh, man, is this Ooh. is this going to be the hockey of this world? Is this going to be something the... Something new? Mm-hmm. Something new? Bankai? Next level shit? In Bankai? Shikai? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically explains that um, apart from domains, they are Cursed Technique's most supreme art. Uh, and one of them is the maximum <laughs> Uzumaki. Excuse me. And one of them is the maximum Uzumaki, which combines all the spirits I have absorbed into one and hits my opponent with super condensed energy. And I'm like, damn. It's pretty strong. It sounds like the death beam. Yeah. And uh, basically, he understands that uh, he says that Uzumaki is powerful, but it means using the negated spirit manipulations advantage. Uh, the great number of curses at my disposal. So I, the idea is that once he uses these things, he can't use them again. Uh, like it gets rid of the numbers of cursed uh, yeah. spirits he has. So at first I didn't find it all that exciting, but you know what? I was wrong. Its value is revealed when cursed spirits of semi-grade one or higher are used. The technique is ex- and the technique is extracted, and he basically eats Mahito. Ooh. Along with probably oh, a bunch of shit, others. He does. And as he's doing this, he he peeps upward and he sees the Kyoto uh witch lady with the brooms like floating mm-hmm. above him. And uh he looks up and is like, Whoa, what is that? Oh shit, a signal. And um he looks down and he sees the arrow dude from Kyoto firing off their shit uh, his arrows. He tries to dodge it. He actually gets like kind of almost wrecked by a sniper rifle, and he's like, "Whoa, you guys are using yeah. modern weapons. That's smart. I agree." Uh, and in that moment, uh, yeah, good old sniper rifle takes yeah. the sh- is in a really interesting sniper position too. Yeah, he's got the uh, his forearm stabilizing his sniper rifle. Yeah, right. And he's just sitting like Indian style. <laughs> Yo, dude, it's a sick pose. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it is pretty sick pose mm-hmm. this is a cool drawing in general this is like cool shit um then he starts using mahito's ability that shit is crazy yeah that was wild and uh then we get the new shadow style chick who just like pulls up behind him 
and is like i held on and she gives cool. this like monologue about like how uh when she became a jujutsu sorcerer she'd never held a sword before but she held on to that katana tightly because she didn't want to be a burden on her mother and because she didn't want to die i'm putting everything my past present future to this even if it means i never swing a katana again and she uses this ultimate technique but ghetto just catches that shit and says you thought he breaks it too yeah he snaps her katana in half and then you just pulls out the ultima the maximum uzumaki on her and i'm like that's a little excessive yeah right she's not <laughs> even that strong yeah you're gonna use your best technique i mean i guess i i appreciate him not fucking around but i'm like damn and if you look closely at the uzumaki you kind of see mahito there like his stitches oh shit is that him there mm-hmm. it's really wow. it's a really cool detail and he just blasts them uh and there's this big ass crater from um, where the girl used to be, but she saved because uh, Kasakube shows up and saves them in this cool I'm samurai sure pose. That uses the dark style, yeah, yeah, sick fucking pose. And uh, Panda Man shows up and he's like Itadori, and Ki- Itadori is this is the happiest I've seen him in a while. He's like Panda Senpai and Kyoto dude. Yeah, it, it was, I think I think he comes over. He's like, "Um, oh, Itadori." He's asking just to be sure that it's not Sakuna. Yeah, that's why I think he he's doing there. Oh yeah, I think he's genuinely happy to see him. He's like, "Whoa, Panda Man!" Um, and that's when Choso shows up, and Choso's like pissed. He's like, "Wait a minute, I know this fucking guy," and he says, "I have three parents: my mother." the cursed spirit that impregnated her and the man who mixed his blood with theirs and toyed with my mother. And there was a man who has the same markings as Ghetto now has on his head. As we all know that the the curse that's possessing Ghetto has been around for a while now and is separate from Ghetto himself. And uh, Choso's like, so that's the deal, Noritoshi Kamo. And it turns out this is one of uh, Ghetto's many names. The Ghetto curses many names. He's like, call me whatever you want. That's one of my many names. And uh, he's like, how dare you may try me, try to make me kill my little brother Itadori? And he charges him. But uh, one of Ghetto's like henchmen pop pulls up, and she's about to fight. And that's kind of where the chapter ends. Um, What's little... his deal again? Didn't he get like? Did he get yeah. like controlled or something? Like I thought he was a cursed spirit. He is. Yeah, he was, but he got like put like some memories got implanted in him or something. Yes. Like what was what happened with that? I, I'm He's a little a part of his brother trio. Yeah, and all of them are dead <laughs> except for him, and he considers Itadori yeah. one of them. And uh, they died in like an arc before this, didn't they? They died in this arc. One of them died. <laughs> like he loses his last brother in this arc, I think. Yeah, um, he does. But. I mean, this is a weird place to stop the chapter. Uh, I'm like... Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, weirdly enough, this is the, actually the audience voted RGC of the week. Certified RGC. Oh, really? Certified it's not really great. I like it. RGC. Yeah, man. This is the first time in a couple weeks that Black Clover was not the audience voted RGC. So, good for you yeah. guys. Um... Yeah, this is our, good for you guys. <laughs> I mean, honestly, out of 114 votes, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen won. Actually, Black Clover was kind of a close second. Uh, 
So, you know, I at first I thought Black Clover was taking it because it was actually in the lead up top. Uh, but Jujutsu Kaisen came in um, and I was excited for that. I don't want to just keep being like Black Clover wins every week. Not that I don't <laughs> like Black Clover, but I'm like, are these the only fan bases that speak up? Um, if you guys want to vote on your favorite uh, chapter of the week, follow us on Twitter. We do a poll every Sunday or, or whenever the chapter is out. Sometimes they come out on Friday. So uh, keep uh, keep tabs with us by following us there and vote for next week. Well, two weeks from now because Jump is off. Um, but yeah, this Jujutsu Kaisen chapter was weird. I liked it, but it got weird at the end. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it was a little interesting at the end, but uh, yeah, that it was a really dope chapter. Yeah, I'm here for it, but I'm also I was <laughs> like, like this whole maximum technique thing yeah. adds another layer. Yeah, same. Um, but yeah, I mean that was Jujutsu Kaisen, <laughs> and that has been our show. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much. You can follow me at the Chris Espinal at b.esp at JD Cole underscore 37. Follow the show itself at NewChipCityPod at gmail.com. Uh, email, us, uh, email us with any comments, questions, suggestions, anything you guys want to talk to us about. Uh, or comment on the video below wherever you're listening. Uh, is that it? Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or subscribe to us on YouTube. Like and comment. Share the podcast. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, New Jump citizens, and Happy New Year. Brian, do you know the Shadow Possession YouTube? Can you teach it to me? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>